Dove Faith Cafe. Real stories by real people. Welcome to Dove Faith Cafe. I'm Marie. You'll hear more from me later. First up today, a story from Deb, a woman contemplating her walk with God as COVID hits. Her story resonates with so many people's experiences during that awful time. Deb makes some difficult decisions as she decides how she is going to live out her discipleship. Sit back and enjoy coming home. Pre-pandemic life was very hectic. I can remember praying to God about how overcommitted and stressed I was feeling. I didn't want to let go of anything, though, because every activity seemed important to me. There was this song my parents used to listen to when I was growing up called Stop the World and Let Me Off. That was pretty much my prayer. Just stop the world, God, and let me off. I felt my life was going at breakneck speed and I needed it to slow down. So when the pandemic hit, all the activities I had overcommitted to were gone in a day. I was one of the introverted people thanking God for the shutdown. Four months into the pandemic lockdown, my family and I all decided since we were going to be home 24-7, it would be a good idea to get a pet. We had an Australian Shepherd mix for 14 years, but she died at the beginning of the pandemic. After searching several local humane societies, we adopted a calico kitten. We loved having her so much that we decided it would be great to get another dog. Now, I'm not quite sure how we made that leap from kittens are great to let's get a puppy, but one month later, we adopted a four-month-old German Shepherd Black Lab mix. And I guess we didn't have quite enough chaos in our lives because shortly after that, we adopted another kitten. Also during the pandemic, My husband and I decided to leave the church where we worshipped for our entire married life, a little over 23 years. Yep, we went a little COVID crazy. But this wasn't a decision we made on a whim. We had been thinking, talking, and praying about it for years. And with all the commotion around the pandemic, we thought maybe we could sneak out with no one really noticing. You know, slip out the back jack, make a new plan stand, no need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free. Our congregation is very small, about 50 families of mostly older people. We hadn't had any major disagreements with the leadership of the church or any people of the congregation. There was just a lot of unrest for us about staying. Many friends our age had left the church and moved on to larger congregations. Our congregation was dwindling and we didn't want to be one of the last ones left to close the church if it ever came to that. And I think burnout was one of the other reasons. I was working three to four days a week as the parish administrator at the church, and I sang every Sunday morning with the worship team. My husband and daughter were leads in the tech booth every week, and we all volunteered every Tuesday evening at our church's Bible study for adults with disabilities. Since the church is so small and so elderly, we felt guilty if we didn't help or attend all of the scheduled events. Midway through the pandemic, our pastor left the congregation for another call, and I think this is what really sealed the deal for us. 
we had a personal relationship with our pastor and his family, and we felt there was no reason to stay since they were leaving the church and moving out of state. There was just a lot of tension for me after we made this decision to leave. And I'm sure a lot of it had to do with me still working at the church as the parish administrator. I had regular contact with the elders of the church, and they had a lot of questions around our leaving. And I was the one that was dealing with answering the questions and the awkwardness of still working there. I'm still not sure if the majority of the congregation knew that we had left um, because there were people who just hadn't come back to church out of caution from the virus. And I think because people didn't see us in church, most thought we were just being cautious. Um, Looking for a church during a pandemic is very challenging when the church doors are ordered closed. Most churches at that point had an online presence, but it just isn't the same as visiting in person and getting a sense of the atmosphere of the church. Our favorite online service was my brother's church in Austin, Texas. It's a great Bible-based church, but we really had no intention to move from Indiana to Austin, so that wasn't a viable option either. Uh, We did visit a few churches in person, but none of them felt like home. Uh, Initially, we made it a point to attend every week online, but gradually this went by the wayside too. It didn't take us long to go down the path from church in person to church online and then no church at all. We were asking ourselves, does it really matter if we go to church? As long as our hearts are in the right place with God, Does it really matter if we're part of a congregation? We felt we were on solid ground and that our personal relationship with Christ was firm. But after about six months of no in-person church and sporadic online attendance, we found ourselves drifting away from God. Since we were home 24-7, our routines had kind of gone by the wayside. We had drifted out of a morning devotion and quiet time with God. It's one of those things that you tell yourself, you know, I'll do that later on in the day, but then it never happens. At this point, I can remember my husband asking me about like every two weeks, did we make the right decision leaving? And automatically, without thinking, I would say, yes, it was the right decision. Don't ask that question. It would be silly to go back now. But because I didn't want to revisit it, I didn't want to think about it anymore The decision had already been made. But the reality that I didn't want to face was that removing ourselves from our church family felt a lot like divorce. We had cut this body of people out of our lives who we had done life with for so long, 23 years. Many in the congregation were there for us when our kids were born, and they're like grandparents to our kids. We knew our church needed us. Because now there were less young people to help keep things going. And I use the term young loosely because my husband and I are in our mid-50s. But when the average age of the congregation is 70, we are the youngins. It's hard to admit, but I thought my family leaving the church would close the church doors. What I didn't realize is that we needed our church family as much, if not more, than they needed us. During the year when we had dropped off, they had put a call out and hired a new pastor. We saw God building new life out of something we pretty much had resigned as dead. 
we saw this and we wanted to be a part of what God was growing. So about a year after we left our church, we returned. It was awkward going back. It was humbling, but that's what we did. Now, I'd like to tie a pretty bow around this story and say that we all lived happily ever after, but that's not life. It's not perfect. There are still struggles being a part of a small congregation. There were also struggles being away from the congregation. There's always going to be conflict. But now we are back to being in a family of believers. And what I gained through all of this is a stronger faith, that this is God's church and he will weave it into his story with or without me. If you have a faith story you'd like to tell, go to our website at dovefaithcafe.org to find out how you can share your story. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to our conversation uh, about the story we just heard from Deb. Um, I have uh, Jordan here with me uh, in the middle of his finals at seminary, so he's looking a little bit stressed out. That's Jordan. And um, we have our special guest today, retired Bishop Edward Little, um, who is currently residing in Long Beach, California. And I suspect it is a lot warmer there than it is here. And I'm awfully jealous, but there we have it. (laughs) So welcome. You're very welcome. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Uh, I'm Marie, and I'm coming to you from Northwest Indiana, just outside of Chicago, and I'm very happy to be here with the two of you today. Um, What an interesting story that we had. The story of Debs has been repeated again and again and again and again across America, perhaps across the world, but definitely across America in many, many, many of our churches. Um, Do you have some some first impressions? your overall impressions of the story before we we dig a little deeper? Well, I was impressed with the fact that um, that as she shares the journey of uh, sort of how to relate to her community, she's also sharing her inner journey. That is stuff was happening inside as well as kind of uh, on the outside in terms of attending church. I think that it's really important to get both of those. And she does that superbly. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think so. Yeah, I, I, I as well. I, I would agree that just just what seems to be a very consistent and prayerful practice on her part to take this kind of personal inventory of her relationship with this space and this community. I think I would I would love to think is is common, but I, I don't always know that it that it is. So it just it shows a, a spiritual maturity there that I think is. I, I think what really makes this a cool one to pick apart and look at is that it is. It is all too common, people struggling with this kind of thing, um, even pre-pandemic, but then it was accelerated uh, within the pandemic. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I was I was struck by um, Deb's honesty, you know, her her willingness to say, "Okay, I did this thing and I'm not proud of it, but I did it. And, And one of those was she left 
feeling like it was the right decision, but knowing that it could close the church. I mean, she that that's hard to admit. <laughs> it's hard to admit. And and sometimes that's the reason I go to church on Sundays, <laughs> because I worry if they can keep the doors open, if, if we stop coming. Um, and 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 I was just really um, struck by how honest she was with that and how vulnerable she was in in sharing that. Yeah, she felt she, you could you could sense uh, as she was talking that she felt this sort of burden on her shoulders mm -hmm. uh, to keep the church going. I think at one point she mentioned, you know, she she and her husband were the youngsters in the church in their fifties. Yeah, uh, and most people in the church were uh, a couple of decades uh, older, and and that that sort of wore down on her. And being able to acknowledge that was a, was a, an important part of her journey. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think the clergy feel I, I suspect they feel like they're the only ones who are who have that kind of burden or feel like they're the only ones who have that kind of burden. And and it's just not true. You know, I think all of us in small congregations feel that, you know, that the 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 gift of a small congregation or the beauty of a small congregation is also its drawback. It's wonderful that you're a small church. It's terrible that you're a small church. You know, that's a double side of the same coin um, because people feel like they can't be anonymous. You know, they can't just show up and, and leave and, and no one will know them when you're in a, a very small church. And, and helpful for, for those of us who are listening to this, who are clergy, helpful for us to be reminded that there are others who share that sense of burden along with us. It's not just right. that it's not just the clergy, but 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 many of our lay leaders uh, right. carry, carry a huge sense of responsibility towards the church. Right, mm. right. Mm. And and, you know, I think the, 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 the lesson in this, you know, it may be early to talk about lessons, but something that struck me so powerfully is that God can work with whatever size parish you find yourself in you know she she considered her parish to be very small um yet god was doing a new thing there and i think that offers a lot of hope that no matter what size your church is god can work with that you know we don't have to be a certain size and and, and you you mentioned it earlier too that that you know a small parish has its pluses and its minuses and often they're mm -hmm. the same categorically the same thing and, and while we do, we certainly don't want anybody to feel burdened or guilty if they need them to, if their faith journey takes them someplace else, but it's also in my mind an indication that something was done right too, because because we're, we're, we dedicate ourselves to an idea of, of being inclusive enough to get people in through the door, but but really if we're nurturing a sense that people's identity and their presence in our congregation is important and intricate to the functioning of the community. Then that does come with a certain degree of accountability and a certain degree of sense of obligation to participating in the community. I don't think that's a bad thing. It's bad if it becomes guilt or burden. Um, but it sounds to me like there's a clergy in that situation who's probably doing a good job of of not just getting people in, but making them feel connected and important to what happens when we show up to church. Not not just the clergy, uh, because she mentions at some point that that. Uh, that, that members of the congregation served as kind of honorary grandparents to her children. Yeah, that's right. And that's so there's right. this yeah. kind of relational thing that can happen in smaller churches. Uh, in a larger church, it's much easier to be anonymous. 
mm-hmm. you know, sit in the back row and not be noticed. But in a small church, uh, there can be the, the very deep relationships. Uh, and I think it's because of these deep relationships that, that she felt such ambivalence when they made the decision to leave and then began to rethink that. And I think the relationships ultimately helped to draw her back in. You know, as as she was thinking, you know, she said her husband would ask her about every two weeks whether um, whether they made the right decision. And she said, no, 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 I'm done with that decision. We're moving on. You know, yes, 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 we made, we did the right thing. And it made me think of all of the times that I've made a decision that I'm maybe not regretting, but but not sure if it was the right one. And but I'm done. I don't want to think about it anymore. Um, but but she did. She did think about it some more. And and the the humility that it took to go back because she could have very easily slipped into another parish someplace else and began worshiping there and no one would have been the wiser, but she didn't, you know, and there's, there's a lot of maturity, uh, emotional maturity to go back to a place where mm, you left not on great terms, maybe, maybe not that anything bad happened, but and to say, I'm back and I want to restore this relationship. And I just, I'm just, I, I really admire that she had the courage to do that. Um, it's these little acts of courage that, that, that make up a, a great life, I think. Yeah, she used two words. I, I wrote them down in my notes, two words to describe yeah. how it felt to come back. She said it was awkward and humbling. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Those are two words um, I find in my own life a lot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she was very honest about, she said, you know, we still struggle. It's not perfect. You know, it. we're still, a, it, there's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be difficulty. It's, I'd love to tie a bow on it and put it, you know, put it in my past, but it's living with humans is the hardest part about living with humans. You know, it's, it's really difficult to to be with people because because we're human and mm-hmm. and but she said if you can embrace that she said um she's gained a stronger faith for it and and her her last line i think was my favorite this is god's church and he will weave into his sto- weave it into his story with or without me mm-hmm. that really struck me very powerfully i was going to say that there's ever been a curiosity as to how this story would have panned out differently outside of the confines of the pandemic and lockdown. Because I would imagine that family would have found another place to worship rather quickly or within a shorter period of time. And that the lockdown kind of provided her this opportunity to stew in this decision, whether she was reluctant to revisit it or not. Mm-hmm. And and kind of live into the idea of the separation without replacing it with a new parish identity so mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. But she mentioned at the very beginning that that she's an introvert and therefore she she embraced the pandemic <laughs> uh, and sort of withdrawing from people. And so, but what what that would also mean is uh, introverts tend to uh, to find their energy sort of inside, and so her her unique personality uh, uh, allowed her to use this time in what ended up being a very positive way, yeah. but not without struggles. But one, one other thing that occurs to me uh, following up on something uh, Marie said is that, that uh, 
my experience is that, that many Christians are constantly seeking the perfect church. You know, somewhere out there, there must be a church without unpleasant people or that had that that has better music than I want than I'm currently experiencing or whatever. And so some folks go from from church to church to church looking for that perfection, which ultimately they they never find. And and uh, it, it speaks really well of her that she ultimately, although she didn't use these words, but she realized this this place place isn't perfect, but this is where we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I had a, a priest once say, if you think you found the perfect church, you should leave. <laughs> <laughs> because if, if if the church is filled with, with people, it's not going to be perfect for long. Yeah. Was anyone struck by that progression she discussed about uh, she would start, they would, they would go to, you know, once they were at home and they were on Zoom with church, they would attend weekly and then every other week and then every three weeks. And then the devotionals were every morning and then they were, oh, maybe later today. And then they were every once in a while. And that drifting, that gradual drifting away from um, the, the previous practices that they had had to something less. I, I think, I mean, I can speak maybe more about my own experience than, than others, but I, I definitely think that there is a kind of uh, spiritual breathing that, that, that occurs in the course of our, of our journey uh, uh, through this whole endeavor, where, where there are moments where we get close, where, where things become more disciplined and more close-knit and more regular, and we reap the rewards of that, and then there's a slow withdrawing, and then a than a, a sense and a reckoning that we need to reorient and and and, mm-hmm. and return to, and that's just I I think it's a natural ebb and flow of of the spiritual life in my mm. in my experience. Mm. Yeah, and many of the great spiritual writers talk about that very that very ebb and ebb and flow. Jordan uh, also though I think this points to a connection, which I think surprised her between her personal spiritual life and her immersion in community. Mm-hmm. Uh, because mm-hmm. she's introverted, uh, it, it, she probably imagined that whether or not she's going to church, uh, she can maintain that inner, uh, that inner relationship with Jesus. Uh, but, but what happened is without sort of that, maybe the, the, the accountability that community brings, whatever it is, mm-hmm. she wasn't able to maintain it. So, um, mm-hmm. Uh, th- there is a, a kind of an organic uh, connection between what goes on inside and what's what's part of our outer discipline that that she discovered through this journey. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's really well said. Really well said. But that that, that gives me something to think about. Um, you know that you both say that that's well documented. That there's this ebb and flow between discipline and and you know lack of discipline i guess for you you said it much better than i'm saying it but um that that's comforting to me because there's sometimes i'm like yes i'm on it you know and you you feel this i feel this connection you know to god or to jesus or the holy spirit and and then there's other times i'm i'm just living my life and i'm thinking where is that connection and and i find that it does though um you mentioned accountability to other people um ed but i think for me it is also 
the discipline, as you mentioned, of a regular practice. And so when I'm disciplined, um, thanks to you, sir, I, uh, I do my daily Bible reading every day and um, uh, for these past 11 years, and I'm so grateful to you for that. Um, but that's part of my daily discipline. And when I, strangely enough, when I can't do that because I'm traveling or, or for whatever reason, there's an interruption, I long for that and I, I need that. And I hope I never stop doing that because that, that really nourishes me and it nourishes my spiritual life and it helps to reorient me every morning to where my head needs to be, where my heart needs to be. And, and I think that there's this real value to some of those benchmarks of consistency. And, and you know, I think obviously in a more liturgically emphasized tradition like that, that you know, some of us are part of, there's an obvious consistency there to service after service, but even the consistency of space and the building and the people and the smells and the music and all the things that go <laughs> along with when, when you step into a space like that, that kind of consistency supports a style of spiritual practice that doesn't require you to be the only sole root and source of the spiritual practice, that you can plug yourself into something that mm -hmm. functions without you, and you can go and you can participate even if you're not fully engaged and that the thing is happening and the thing is still going to work on you and your life, even yeah. if you're not capable of being as present as you are at other times with it. And there's just a real utility to that, to those marks of consistency in spiritual practice. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's true of the mass. That's true of the daily office. That's true of a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. A, a mental uh, image that I often use is the image of a stream. Mm -hmm. And when you take part in the Eucharist, it's like you're putting your foot in a stream that's already moving. Oh. Uh, like and, or even when you take part in the daily office, morning prayer, evening prayer, you know, there, there are thousands of Christians around the world praying that same office and you're dipping yourself in uh, and whatever you happen to be feeling at the time, you're kind of in the stream. And even when you're not, the stream goes on. Uh, and so in some ways, uh, the community carries us in our prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so when my prayer, when I'm going through a, you know, dark night uh or a dry spell uh then it's the community that's moving moving along and i'm sort of with it whatever i'm feeling mm, i like that sometimes churches are awkward uh in how they receive people <laughs> who return mm. uh I, i've heard uh, uh I, i've heard people say this uh, uh uh, a parishioner will return after being gone for six months or a year, uh, and and another parishioner will joke something like, "Hey, the roof didn't fall in when you came in the door." Yeah, and that, that yeah. kind of response, instead of simply "Welcome, glad to see you," uh, can ultimately uh, cause the person not fully to return or not not really return at all. So, so sometimes mm -hmm. uh, Christian communities can be awkward in how they. Um, respond to people who come back it sounds like her church although it was 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 uh was awkward and humbling for her but it sounds like she was received well and the family yeah. received well yeah yeah i would agree with that and what a gift for her children to continue those relationships with those people who were like their grandparents what a gift for the whole family i i would i would like to believe in deb's case and i feel like the 
her kind of introspection and ability to do that, I believe would have, I believe even if that parish had closed or she had immediately started going to another parish or, or went through this period of not feeling as engaged, that the end result would have been very similar. Obviously, if the church closed, she wouldn't be going back to that close, that, that particular parish. But I, but I do believe that the real thing that I hear that she's learning and recognizing is this sense of the need for community in general and not the specifics of that community, even though that's how it plays out in the story. I mm -hmm. think that she would have come to this as many people did during the pandemic and many people did during that whole, that whole time period, understanding just how engineered we are for community and relationship and in-person interactions. And that it's just part of, part of how we're constructed. And that it, it's something that we, that we need to be, uh, to be productive and, and, and uh, uh, participating in, and, you know, a spiritual life that it's, a, it's an essential key component of that and i think you could swap some of those details of the story around but i think that deb would have come to that same conclusion regardless yeah, yeah. i mean it, it, it's a wonderful thing i think that churches uh, are many churches are sort of putting their services online and people can attend from a distance but um it's not the same mm -hmm. uh, as, and as she discovered I, I recently had to take a couple sundays off because of an illness and so uh, my wife and I went to church online and it was lovely to, you know, hear some familiar hymns and all of that, but it was not the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and she, she discovered that. Uh, and in fact, as, as, as already been mentioned, it was the, pro, the, the kind of a line from attending in person to attending online to not attending at all. It just yeah. it doesn't have the same holding power. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if, if someone came to either of you, you're two of the wisest people I know, so I feel comfortable asking you this. <laughs> someone came to you and said they, they were in the same situation that Deb is in. They're in a small church and they're just feeling like, you know, they're just not, it's just not the way it used to be. They're not feeling it like they used to. And they're wondering if maybe they should leave. However, they're feeling bad because the church is small and what will happen and what would you say to someone like that and you may have already um answered this in your in your um some of your answers so feel free to repeat yourselves but what would you what would you say to someone who came to you like if, if deb had come to either of you when she was trying to decide pandemic aside pandemic aside i think the first thing i would do if somebody came to me with that sort of question is to affirm their integrity in asking the question mm -hmm. instead of just leaving and slipping away asking the question uh i would encourage them to uh make this an, a sort of a central part of their prayer life um if if they have the, the ability to do this i'd encourage some kind of spiritual direction um because sometimes people are called away from churches there, there mm -hmm. are in fact times when someone the lord sort of seems to move somebody from church a to church b and it's not that they're you know kind of church hoppers it's just it's kind of what happens so mm -hmm. i think it, it'd be important to affirm the integrity of the search mm -hmm. uh and perhaps help the person to explore um 
what are the reasons you feel either impelled to leave or to consider leaving and 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 where are you drawn and would you find satisfaction in that place where you're drawn or would it simply be a repeat of the same thing yeah uh, yeah very interesting very interesting that's good advice good advice but it is that's wonderful wonderfully wonderfully said i i think it it touches on a lot of a lot of my my initial ideas as well about like let's let's look at what let's take an actual inventory let's and this and this is this wouldn't be the best tactic with everybody but if i knew deb from what i know of deb from this story i would trust that that she has the capacity to to do this kind of work and say let's make an let's make a real inventory about what it is that what that isn't being met in this experience and then let's take that let's take that list and divide it up between is this specific to this parish or is this specific to where you're at in your own personal journey and is this things that can be then uh, worked on within the context of community that you've already built or are these things that are going to require a new community for you to feel like you can pr progress in your in your spiritual journey uh, based on based on dividing that list between where where the agency lies is the, is the agency on the behalf of the congregation or is the agency on behalf of you and your spiritual life and and then i think that i would i would encourage deb to go to take in a sunday service someplace else i mean i don't think that that's i i, I think that we don't need to be so worried about our parishioners going to visit another church one Sunday and then never seeing them again. I think quite the contrary. I think that a lot of times they would go and find that there's that there's going to still be, especially if somebody as introspective as Deb, that, oh, the ceiling of the church didn't crack open and light shined through and angels danced about and everything was perfect. They're going to go, oh, this is, I liked this part, but this part was a little weird and this was awkward and I didn't know anybody and coffee hour wasn't the same. And I think that more often than not, that kind of exploring and checking things out, maybe even checking out a different denomination than Deb is, is typically, you know, accustomed to, to participating in. And then mm -hmm. relook at that same list and say, do you think that, that after exploring around a few Sundays that any of these other parishes or churches provide you with spiritual growth that you feel is stagnant? Or is it about the way that you're framing this experience and where you're at, you know? Wow. Our listeners are so lucky. <laughs> they are so lucky because they get to hear it right from both of you. And um, and I think you probably, um, you gave people a lot of food for thought, you know, who may be in the same, I, there's millions, I'm sure, in the same shoes as Deb. And, um, and I'm so grateful to you for your advice. And I'm so grateful to Deb for sharing her story um, and, and speaking out uh, a truth that, that many of us face, um, especially in this post-pandemic life, but sometimes even before. Well, I thank you both for your time and your, the gift of your, your wisdom and your, your um, helping me to break down Deb's story for people who are listening. And uh, I'm, I'm just so grateful, so grateful for this opportunity. So thank you both. Um, Bishop Ed Little, uh, now of Long Beach, California, and uh, Jordan uh, Trendleman, currently of Sewanee, Tennessee and uh uh soon to be through uh through his finals yeah yes 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 <laughs> that's, that's that's the prayer and hope yes all right excellent <laughs> well we wish you we wish you the best and i i thank you all for for being here today thank you so much thank you thank you Maria. blessings to you all thank you take care
I'd like to give a shout out of thanks to our storyteller, Deb, my co-host, Jordan, and our special guest, Bishop Ed Little. Although he is too modest to admit it, what you probably don't know is that if it weren't for Bishop Little, Dove Faith Cafe wouldn't exist. Bishop Little insisted that faithful Christians should learn to share our faith stories and to practice telling them to one another. I am forever grateful to you, Bishop Little. You continue to inspire me. Extra special thanks goes to our sound engineer, Father Tom Adamson. Thanks for making us sound better than we really do. If you like what you hear, let us know. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, dovefaithcafe.org.